Hi friends, welcome to What's for Lunch with Brad and Eliza. Join us as we share our experience navigating life, seasoned with hope, humor, and a side of fresh perspective. Thanks for tuning in. Press the record button. Today I will be joined by my very own android. I am Brad Tron. My very own Brad Droid. Welcome to episode three. Today, before us, in its plastic carton of glory, we have... (laughs) (laughs) A lot of blackberries, and they're making me hungry. We're not sponsored, but we would like to be. So, Driscoll's, if you hear this, call us. I just really like berries. And fun fact, I grew up right down the street, essentially, from Driscoll's Berries. And... I am right down the desk from this box of berries, and I'm not allowed to eat them until the podcast is recorded. <laughs> yeah, we should mention, as as we made clear in our first episode, we didn't really do it in the second one because, surprise, the second one was actually recorded much earlier than the first one. Shh, shh. But that's going to be kind of our theme, is we're going to have some sort of snack or lunch every Inten- time. Intended to be used as torture for me. No, it's not torture. It's like a reward system. It's like, hey, we need to record a podcast and we keep getting lazy about it. So let's... So you are not allowed to eat until it's finished. (laughs) So let's sit here and look at our food (laughs) so that we can get through this because it's staring us in the face. Honestly, It's it's the deviled eggs all over again, people. It's the deviled eggs. Okay. You deviled blackberries? (laughs) Seriously, though. So during quarantine, you know, we got to don't touch... (laughs) I really want one. His hands like, don't touch. (laughs) During quarantine, you know, we've been trying to find creative ways to get groceries so that we can stay out of the stores. I have kind of a weakened immune system and Brad has asthma. So we want to make sure that we're not sick and dead. And also that we're most importantly, that we don't pass anything on to other people and help other people uh, stay safe. Like stupid because it's contagious. (laughs) So... One of the local groups out here where we live is sort of like a produce co-op and they get different veggies and fruit every week. They had a flash sale on berries. So we got an entire flat of blackberries, 12 cartons of these little things for 14 bucks. Yep. So not too shabby. And I'm going to make fruit leather. I made fruit leather a couple days ago with some strawberries we had and a mango that we actually got in our produce box this week. So I made strawberry mango fruit leather and I made the poor decision to put it in the oven at five o'clock p.m. I don't know why I did this because I've made fruit leather before and I know how long it takes. Because you didn't have to wake up in the morning. True, but even still. I was up pretty late um, waiting for it to finish, but it turned out really well, and we have a nice little cute mason jar full of strawberry mango fruit roll-ups. So today, I'm going to be doing blackberry, and then we're going to probably freeze the rest of them or throw them in bags for smoothie packs, things like that. We like to have smoothies in the morning for breakfast, so anyway. Are you you drooling yet? Have we done our job? Have we done our job? Should I keep talking about them? Do we need to bring up the deviled eggs? Seriously, I'm just going to call Driscoll's and say, hey, we're, we're sponsoring you. So how much are you paying us? <laughs> we're sponsoring. No, no, no. That's not. They, they uh, sponsor us. Oh, you know, is if that we how it sponsor works? Them, Give me money. If, if, if you're saying I'm sponsoring you, they'll be like, okay, great. Yeah. No, well, don't volunteer to give people our money. No, we don't have any to give anyway. 
somehow whenever we start recording podcasts, I have lost an immense amount of sleep. And I don't know how this pattern just happens. <laughs> to be completely honest with you guys, for the last couple of nights, I have been not able to fall asleep until, let's see, last night it was 5.30, the night before it was 5, the night before that was 7.15 a.m. So that gives you a little preview into um, my energy levels right now. Plot twist, we're doing it on purpose. <laughs> well, because I'm, it's because I'm just much more entertaining when I haven't slept. The only reason she's sitting down right now is because if she stood up, she would be on the floor. <laughs> well, you just dropped some berries into my mouth. So <laughs> No, not till the end of the podcast. If I can't have any, you can't either. Oh, sorry. I forgot. No berries. No berries. No berries. What were we going to talk about today? Well, so today we thought that it might be fun to talk about essentially what led us to sitting in front of these mics staring at the berries talking to you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it takes a lot, guys. You have to know, I really love you because I'm staring at these blackberries and I really want them, but I'm not eating them because of you. So No, it's because of me. <laughs> That's the truth. That is the absolute truth. <laughs> you know, just... He don't care about you. <laughs> yeah, no, it ain't, you know, I was trying to be all charitable and nice to the people listening to us, but no, it's all about you. Well, it's just that, you know... It... You, you can't escape my eagle eye. <laughs> <laughs> no, I can't. Literally, I think I've tried like two or three times to reach for a Blackberry, and she's giving me the devil's stare every time. <laughs> so let's talk about how we got to this point, why we're doing a podcast, and, you know, a yeah, couple of other things. Why we're even we're talking to you in the first place. Like, yeah. Why should you be interested? Why should you, you know? even care? <laughs> Yeah. Well, whether you care or not, we're telling you. So sit down, you know, open a book if you're bored. and Buckle yeah. up. It's going to be fun. You know, when you're going through life and in the moment you're like, what the crap is going on? Like, none of this makes any sense. I don't understand this. And then you have those moments where you look back and you're like, like all the puzzle pieces just fit together. Suddenly everything makes sense. Why certain things happen at that time? Why this didn't happen? Why this came into your life? Why this was so stressful? For us, at least the pattern that we've seen in our lives, it is always, always super, super hard to understand. And then all of a sudden it just makes sense. Yeah. We're, if we're, that even makes any sense. Well, we're definitely all. in kind of a year right now where everything that has happened to us that was so confusing and so stressful and so traumatic in the moment is kind of coming into clarity. And I'm not saying everything makes sense. We are definitely getting to the point where we can look at a lot of our negative experiences with a little more fondness. A little more fondness, a little more humor. A little like, less oh, swearing. Oh, you adorable people back then. Like, you just want to, like, pat us on the head in the past and be like, it's okay, you're going to be fine. But also, I'm sorry, this sucks. Yeah. It will still suck later on, but <laughs> you'll be more appreciative of it. <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, a boy and a girl met in an English class. And we've already told you that story. And after a while, we were married until she wanted. <laughs> until she wanted. Fast forward a few years later, we had just gotten married. And we both really just wanted to create some kind of a business of sorts where we could do what we wanted. We could work on our skills and our talents, you know, music and recording and things like that. But we also really wanted to create this place where people who are like us kind of had a chance 
there's a lot of people around us at that time who were just, a lot of them are college students. They're trying to get their projects out there, you know, looking for exposure. And we knew what it was like to be stressed out about trying to record a studio demo or things like that. And we really just wanted to help them get their thing out there, but do it for a much, much lower cost than what a normal studio costs. And we were doing that on purpose Mm -hmm. based on what our skill level was at the time. We had a very basic skill level at that point. I had only recorded one song in a professional studio, and it wasn't that great. (laughs) Eliza's over here laughing at me because... Well, it's just, it's funny looking back on that now, because obviously there's a lot that we still don't know. You know, I wouldn't consider myself a professional, but in the last at least six years that we really seriously started doing this, there's a lot that you learn and a lot of things that start to make sense after a while. And it's just kind of interesting looking back on that time. I mean, you remember your first studio essentially was this plastic box with mattress pad mattress pad um, glued onto glued it glued into it with your little cheapy mic and literally that's how we started out i had this korg x50 synthesizer and i didn't know how to use it as a midi controller so i started out by drawing my midi in note by note but anyway so we were just really trying to get this studio idea going and we had decided right after we got married that we were going to stay in the city that we were in at that time for at least another year and then we were going to just start figuring things out from there we were starting to build up our little teeny studio in our tiny apartment we didn't have a desk which (laughs) was its own story we didn't have a desk we didn't even have a chair do you remember we had that blue beach chair that you broke (laughs) yeah yeah broke after like what three weeks we (laughs) we oh gosh I don't even think we had a kitchen table at that point. We didn't. We had like a little teeny tiny round table that someone had gave us that we had to leave behind. Yeah, I think my mom gave that to us and it was like super tall and you could barely fit like like a plate on it. (laughs) So we're, you know. Poor newlyweds. (laughs) We're super, super poor newlyweds. We're just paying off the rest of our wedding and coming down from all of that and trying to figure out what we're doing. I was just about to start a new job and... Just kind of out of the blue, I wound up getting a job offer to teach Russian in Washington State. Mind you, this is like a month into our marriage. So we have just barely gotten everything unpacked. So I had the interview. They gave me the job offer. And I was hoping that it would be like six months, a year or something like that. No, they wanted me in two weeks. We talked about it and it was like end of August. And I'm thinking, okay, like another year or like in six months, like halfway through the year. And okay, like I think we could prepare for that. No, they wanted him right away. So we had like, I think it was two weeks from the time that you guys started talking. And then when you got the job, we had exactly seven days. Mm-hmm. to find someone to take over our rental contract, pack up the house, which we had literally just finished unpacking and thrown away all our boxes. <laughs> so <we laughs> yeah, had I no- forgot about that. We, th- <laughs> we threw away the boxes, literally. Oh, oh my gosh. We were supposed to start training like that I, next yeah, week. Yeah, I was supposed to start training that next week. And I don't remember having to call my new boss and be like, I'm so sorry, but life just happened. And we actually just got this crazy job offer. So we're going to be moving to Washington State. And he was like, okay, great. Yeah, you know, do what your family comes first. And thankfully, he was like really, really supportive. But did you already like fill in paperwork and everything? Oh, I got hired. I I went through the interview process. Yeah, I was legit like hired. And then I wasn't anymore. (laughs) Yep. Oops. We'll talk about the details of what happened in Washington in its own episode, because that is its own gigantic 
messy, huge story that is its own beast. It's a nine-month blip in our lives that requires its own episode. <laughs> it does. Basically, we went to Washington. I taught for a year. And long story short, we came back. What really kind of is most relevant to what we're talking about right now is about halfway in, we kind of felt like there was a reason like we were there and we were trying to figure out what it was. And we were constantly like, there's got to be a purpose. There was something that was like gnawing at us the whole time while we were there. It was like, we're not just here for his job. There's something else. Well, and the other thing too is, and I want to make this very clear. When I was there, I did enjoy what I was doing there. And I did feel filled with purpose to an extent, but it did feel like there was still something missing as far as what it was we were doing. Now, keep in mind, this was our first year of marriage. This was my first year teaching, which those of you who are teachers out there, you understand the pain. <laughs> that was like your first like big boy job. It, it was my first big boy and job. You had some family out there, but for the most part, like we were kind of just away from everyone and away from everything we knew. And we were constantly just trying to find the purpose in our time there. We went on a lot of really rainy drives trying to figure out our lives and just what are we doing here and what do we want to do with our lives. And in the meantime, all of our studio equipment that we had up to that point was just sitting in a corner because we still didn't have a desk and we didn't really have much opportunity to use it. Neither of us even really touched music at all for that whole school year. I was really, really ill, and Brad was just up to his eyeballs in everything he was doing, and mm -hmm. there just wasn't really, it wasn't the ideal place for us. And besides the fact that where we lived, we were kind of on this main highway of sorts, and so we would actually get these like huge logging trucks that would go by and shake the whole house. So it wouldn't have exactly been like the most ideal recording location anyway, probably for producing, but like not for recording like what we thought we wanted to do. Yeah, we so. should also probably mention the fact that uh, this was a retirement home technically we were living in. That's a whole, yeah. <laughs> I promise we will go into detail our Washington experience. A lot of people know that we lived in Washington, but they don't, they know. don't know what happened. So... The point is that we really just kept getting these pushes in this certain direction. Like we kind of came to this understanding that we both wanted to continue to keep using our talents and our abilities and what we had, make that our job and also be able to help people in the process. And something that we did realize a little bit later on is that we had the right kind of idea before, right after we got married, but the focus, even though we had good intentions, it was a lot more on the money. It 100% was the money. And the thing is, when I took the job in Washington, which I'm sure some of you are laughing, thinking teachers, they don't make money. They don't. And honestly, they need to get paid a lot more. But at the time when I got the job, I was working at a pizza delivery place and a call center. I was not making a whole ton. So it was a huge bump to go into teaching. And it's kind of funny because, you know, after the teaching job was over, I actually went back to that call center right afterward. And again, it was a matter of money because I stayed there for two years and it kind of sucked the soul out of me. What was interesting is that once we kind of came to that point in Washington where we're like, this is what we really want to do with our lives, that is immediately, literally immediately when the job ended in Washington. And we were looking all over the place trying to figure out where we wanted to go. We looked at different states, different opportunities. And at the time, it just made the most sense for us to go back to Utah because it was cheaper. We had more connections there, especially with music, and we knew the area. And so that's just where we ended up. And so that's why we're still here to this day. But it is funny 
because even when we came back, we were still kind of chasing after the idea of money. And we sort of fell back into that. Like we had this purpose and then we fell back into like survival mode and chasing the money and we have to have the job and we have to, you know. Yeah. And it's unfortunate that that happened too, because I feel like what happened was just a major loss of focus because there are ways to have a full-time job and still do what it is that we want to do. Have purpose in your life. And we just didn't have that. We didn't have any balance. It was really hard because at the time you were working part time. I was working full time. No, we were both working full time. I was working. Yeah, I didn't work the year that we were in Washington because honestly, there weren't a whole lot of opportunities around. And I also there was was like a grocery store down the street. I was also just really, really sick and I wouldn't have been able to work at that point anyway. But when we came back to Utah, I started working full time. Brad was working full time. And then I went down to part-time for a little bit. We were both just working and chasing the paycheck and just trying to get back up from... Feeling like we were never making enough either is the thing, too. Which, truth be told, we were. We just didn't know what we were doing with it. I would say that a loss of focus is a really good way to describe it. We just kind of got lost in life, really. We got Mm -hmm. lost in trying to provide for ourselves. And that image of our studio being in the corner, that's kind of what continued happening when we moved back here. We had these huge flashes of, this is what we want to do. And this feels right and this feels good. And then we would put it right back in the corner again. And then we were constantly anxious and unhappy and dissatisfied and wondering why. Like, what are we doing that's wrong? Because we have jobs and we're providing for ourselves and we're living and doing the thing. On and the bright side, we had a desk at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we did finally have a desk. But, but yeah. Which I built myself. Thank you very much. And thank you, Mom, for helping. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, honestly, like that was just the continual pattern in our lives is that we would just keep pushing back what we felt we were supposed to do. So there was kind of uh, an interesting crossroads that we came to because both of these things happened at the same time, relatively speaking, where I had received an email. Someone reached out to me about a teaching job for Russian in Arizona. And at the same time, Eliza was thinking about the idea of going to school here in Utah for studio technology. Just to kind of fill in the gaps of what I felt that I really needed to know. At this point, I'd been self-taught in music production for like almost 10 years. And I just really felt like, you know what, I just really, I'd like to fill in the gaps. Then Brad got this job opportunity. And it wasn't like we were at odds with each other about it, but it was just like both things felt like they would have been okay. And we were back and forth constantly on whether or not we should take this opportunity because it was another one of those, here's a great career opportunity. It would pay more than we're making right now. It has to do with the Russian, which is what you studied in college. It was just like one of those things where it was like, do we chase the job or do we chase what we want to do? Basically, we chose the passion. I did reach out to the place and I did actually attempt applying and everything. Nothing really came of it. But during that process, we both kind of decided that you going back to school was probably the best thing for us to do, which was really, really difficult, financially speaking, for both of us, because the program that she had chosen didn't offer financial aid, and so it was all out of pocket. We didn't find that out until later, too, because I had applied for federal aid, and I was eligible to receive a grant that would have covered at least half of the year's payment. And so we figured, okay, yeah, no problem. We'll pay for the rest of the year out of pocket. We'll save up in the meantime. And then we found out that that particular program wasn't covered by financial aid. It wasn't eligible. And so I was kind of at this, like, do I still do it? I don't want to throw us in the gutter, but this is what I want to do. This is what I feel I'm supposed to do. It was just like, all right, well, we're just going to take the jump and we're just going to do it. And it was helpful for both of us because I had some gaps missing in my knowledge 
as well. And I was very much aware of this, don't get me wrong. But what was nice is a lot of Eliza's work from school actually took place at home because she had to watch videos, she had to do the assignments and do a lot of the reading there. And so that was very helpful. And things only got more difficult from there too, because first of all, we're paying for school. She's still working part-time, I'm still working full-time. But about halfway through the year, Eliza was kind of starting to break down a bit because school and work was just becoming way too much. Plus, I wasn't really around very much because of my jobs. So the year before, kind of right after we'd gotten back to Utah, Brad had actually started getting back into acting again, which was something that he'd really, really wanted to do. The next year, when we were making that decision about Phoenix versus uh, college, you were part of a theater company. You were doing like two plays at the same time. Which and happened by complete accident, complete by the accident. way. And then right after that is when you actually got cast in Evermore. So that was a brand new thing. And you were doing that on top of your regular job. And then I was working and going to school. And so literally towards September, October of that year, we just were not seeing each other. You were working like 80 hours a week. And yeah. you'd get home at like two o'clock in the morning. And on the days that you were home, I had homework. We just didn't have a, a life. We didn't have a relationship. And it was very kind of similar, even though it was different circumstances, it was very kind of similar to what we were dealing with in Washington, where we didn't have time. And everything that we were wanting to do, even though I was going back to school and doing all these things, it was still on the back burner. Mm -hmm. It was always in the corner. We'd been talking about the idea of getting you out of your full-time job because that particular place was just really toxic not a good situation. So we'd been looking around trying to get other options. And then weirdly, it started to kind of flip where all of a sudden we started realizing both kind of together that it was actually me that needed to quit my job. Mm -hmm. And let me tell you, I was not having it. Even yeah. though I was like, I knew this was what I was supposed to do. Like, you know, you just have those moments where you just feel like this needs to happen now. And I was like, we can't do this. I'm in, back in school. Like, we're paying off this tuition right now. And keep in mind, I'm also not having it because it's like, we can't do yeah, this. Both of us were like, wait a minute, what? You know, like, we can't do this. We can't afford this. Like, we're going to starve. And the more that I pushed back against it, the more it just became clear, like, no, you need to do this now. Maybe this is a good time to tell you that I'm extremely stubborn. You... Never mind. I won't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Essentially, what happened is I had made this plan that I would quit my job at the end of the school year and we would just get through the, the next couple months and we would just save up as much as we could, put that all towards the tuition. We'd be just fine. And I would start working on our studio from home and that would be what we were doing. Nope. But as life always goes, it's never as you plan. And I actually started feeling really strongly that it needed to happen sooner. And I was not happy about it. I was freaked out about it. I was still at my job and I was talking with my boss. We'd have these weekly one-on-ones and I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. This is ridiculous. And I don't think I can. Thankfully, he was very, very supportive. And so were my coworkers. But I was just like, this is ridiculous. I cannot do this. Essentially, I ended up quitting my job about two months earlier than I had planned and that we had anticipated. And that's when the bills got higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was fun because my tuition went up. $200 a month. $200 a month. We were actually making quite a bit at that time for us, but it's like a blessing in disguise because thankfully we had enough to pay off the tuition. Just barely, but everything, yes. Yeah, like everything extra that we were making was going into that. So we had a savings account, but it was all going toward that tuition. We just didn't have enough to cover the rest of it. Once we lost my income and our bills went up, 
So we had been prepared that things were going to be a little crazy and we were looking into options to make sure that we could still pay our bills and, and not be draining out our savings. And gratefully at that point, Evermore was my second job and it was paying well and it the environment wasn't toxic compared to my day job. So it was nice to have that kind of balance. I was kind of going a little crazy though, because at that point, Evermore was open every day of the week in the evenings. And so I was working too. That's right. And then after I quit my job is when they cut your hours. That's right. That was when we were like, not like we were asking for a sign, but it was just like, we're going to make this decision and just, we feel it's right. We're just going to do it. And right after we made the decision for me to quit my job earlier, it was when we found out that you'd gotten cast in the next season mm-hmm. of Evermore. Right after that is when we'd also gotten interest in this huge project from them that ended up not working out. But it was just all these little signs. It was like, yes, you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. But his income got cut down. My income got cut down. <laughs> it was just, it was insanity. And I only had a couple more months of school. We only had a couple more payments on my tuition. And our focus was just like, get the studio going and let's... Make some money out of it, ironically. And again, again, notice the money word. The money word, yeah. When we focused on the money again, that's when it started falling apart. Uh, And and that's the thing. And you'll you'll notice any time something has fallen apart in our lives, it's because we were chasing the money, not the dream or not. We were just chasing the wrong thing. Our focus is in the wrong place. And the thing is, it's not wrong to want to provide for yourself. It's not wrong to get out there and work your butt off. But for us, for our particular situation, that wasn't the best thing for us to be doing. If I'm going to be honest, and I think I speak for both of us, but we were being pretty selfish in a lot of ways. And the thing is, we're talking from our heart, our intent. We're not talking about outward actions here because there are people who will be like, no, you're fine. You're just living life. No, we were being selfish in a lot of ways. It's scary when you can't buy food for five months. Yeah. I mean, legit. We were very fortunate because in all of this, and I will say this, in everything that we have ever been through, in all of the hard, scary financial stuff, we have always, always been able to pay our bills. For those who have been like freaked out and worried about us, we have always been able to pay our rent. Essentially, we had enough to pay for everything else but food. And we had people step in to help. We actually got help from our congregation as well as far as food goes. Yeah, we were able to reach out and get help. But it was it was a really scary time for us. We certainly made a huge sacrifice for me going back to school. And we knew it was going to be a huge sacrifice. But I carried so much guilt through that whole situation because I was like, this is my fault. I'm the reason why we're in this crazy situation right now. Like, what was I thinking? I should have stayed with my job. I should have just, I should have, should have, should have, should have. And it was all about the money. I completely lost my focus on what I was trying to do. So when I graduated, I just like completely fell into this just slump. I was just in this slump. I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. I don't even feel like I can get this going on my own. Things only kind of got worse from there, financially speaking. Well, and emotionally. And emotionally. We were just Mm -hmm. falling apart. Eliza had gone into a bit of a depressive state. At that point, she was not working. I was. And I kind of wanted it that way because we had discussed the idea of her being the forerunner for the studio (laughs) whatever the studio was going to be like this like vague idea that we had floating about above our heads well and that's the thing we're going to refer to quote the studio a lot 
you can't see the air quotes I'm making. <laughs> the studio encompasses everything that we're doing in here, whether it's the podcast, music production, songwriting, songwriting, or whether whatever it is, it be. yeah, like other people's projects. This is our creative hub of sorts. Yeah, and, and whatever so comes out of it, this is where it all begins. Yeah, so when we say the studio, that's what we mean. Anyway, but she was going to be the forerunner for the studio, and we really didn't know what that meant at that point. For me, I was thinking it was going to be a recording studio. We were going to record our friends. It was going to be great, and they were going to give us a bunch of money and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> uh, and again, there's the money problem. It didn't turn out that way, and I was draining myself emotionally at work. I was constantly falling behind. It was a toxic environment. A lot of things just went wrong there. Evermore, while I loved it and I still love it to this day, it was draining all of my energy. I wasn't home. I had no time for music. I had no time for Eliza. We just had no time. We kept feeling like we were trying to do the right thing and it was just never working out. Interestingly enough, though, I had all these other projects that were starting to come to mind, like, for example, the podcast and this other website that I run right now that's called Heart Monitor. But essentially, it's like an emotional support website. And I was trying to push those out of my head because I was like, no, 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 I need to focus on the studio and it needs to be just this. I can't get distracted by other things right now. And other projects just kept pushing into my mind. Brad and I weren't exactly seeing eye to eye at that point on what we wanted the studio to be or what we could include in that. And in a way, we were trying to make each other conform to our ideals of what the studio was. We did. We really had our own expectations. And I felt like towards the end of my schooling, I was like trying to do this to live Brad's version of what the studio would be when my views of it were starting to change and my desire to do different projects, you know. I wasn't forcing myself to do it, but I kind of was seeing those other projects as like distractions. The more that I kept pushing them away, the stronger they kept getting. And so I started talking to Brad about it. We actually had this afternoon where we just went up into the mountains and we, we had like a Google Doc. And we were like, okay, here's all these different areas of our lives that are just not working right now. And what do we want to do about this? And what do we want to do about this? And we started opening up the idea of the studio as being more inclusive. When we brought the focus back to other people instead of the money, when we turned it back to using our skills and the talents that we already had, the more that we started opening up to having it be what it will be, that's when everything finally started coming together. Well, and that's the funny thing is it was bringing the focus back. And it's not that making money is a bad thing because we still want to provide for our family. And, and, and that's always been the plan. Yeah. And, and when our focus went back to that, that's when all the ideas started coming. That's just it. There's focusing on the money versus providing for the family that we want to create together, the home that we want to build together. The and life the, that we want to have together. Yeah. When we brought the focus to each other and to other people, yes, we want to make money from what we're doing, but that's not the sole focus and purpose anymore. The purpose is to help people along their path and their journey, to help us prepare for having kids who... We're going to be taking them on their journey through life. We need to be able to help other people do that and be able to do that with our own kids and with each other. With ourselves, yeah. I mean, we need to be more prepared for that. And honestly, I think the biggest lessons that we've learned from everything that we've we've gone through is simply that focus needs to be in the right place. Even in all the crazy stress, there are so many interesting things that happened that kept propelling us forward. For example, you mentioned your job, and I completely forgot that it was literally exactly a year ago that you finally got out of that toxic job situation, but it was only 
after you made the decision to I was going to quit in August. He was, was going to you plan. were going to quit in August. It was just one of those things where it was like when I quit my job, like I don't know how we're going to make this work financially, but this just it feels like this needs to happen now. And immediately after you made that decision and we were like, "Okay, we'll figure it out." is when you got the job offer from your last job where I was an installer for the HVAC department at a service company just down the road from where we live. In that case, I wasn't chasing after money. In fact, I actually took a, what was a three, $4 pay cut. Yeah. It was another one of those things where logically it doesn't make sense, but you know, it's the right thing to do. We just both felt really good about it. And we we're like, I don't know how this is going to work. I just quit my job. You just took a pay cut. We're in this situation where we don't even know what the crap we're doing. Well, and the thing is, that's kind of where I feel like some of, not all of, but some of the upswing started happening. Even though I had gotten a pay cut and I was taking a completely different turn as far as careers go, not even kidding. I don't think I really was able to touch music again for the whole time I was there. It was nice because I got to invest in my tools, which I had never done. I kind of became a little bit more of a handyman, something I was definitely not before. And You got some big boy tools. I, I did get some big boy tools, and I like my big boy tools. <laughs> and I use my big boy tools to build things in the studio. <laughs> no, he's like, do you want me to just, I'm like, yeah, we really should get something. He's like, do you want me to build it? <laughs> it's okay. It, uh, which I, I should say, I'm not that great at building things. <laughs> it's really cute. He's like, I built a shelf and it's super wobbly. And I'm like, thanks, honey. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of like, you know, you pat them and you, you let <laughs> them job. play with their plastic hammer. <laughs> exactly. You, somebody called my hammer a Fisher Price hammer. I was so mad at them. I was mad too. It was technically Eliza's hammer, but anyway. That doesn't mean it was a Fisher Price hammer. I, 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 I'm not saying it that, was. <laughs> that was the toolkit I had when I moved out here. Yeah, I, I still a lot of her tools to use for work and i'm Fisher very grateful Price hammer that's insulting <laughs> well hey I does it bang the nails said. does it hit stuff yep. does it work does it do its job okay it's an eight ounce hammer you can make fun of us all you want but you know haters gonna hate haters <laughs> gonna hate on my fisher price hammer <laughs> <laughs> the other thing too is eliza i'm gonna put her on a pedestal here got extremely skilled with budgeting because of our pay cut we really had to cut corners. We had to kind of figure out how we were going to make it work. And then all of a sudden, Little Miss Financial Genius comes out. She came up with an excellent budget for us. We actually had a couple months where we were saving 20% of our income. It didn't last very long, but we were able to do it. There were times when I wanted to grab her by the lapels and say, get a job, because we, we struggled. And emotionally, it was hard, but it was something that we had decided together that we were going to try and do. And it was really difficult. It was so hard. About halfway through that time, the realization came in that it's time to really do what you want to do. And I couldn't do that at the job I was in. Part of what they believe in is being fully invested in what you're doing. And the fact is, I was not. I was kind of done being there. The feeling I was trying to chase is open your schedule and it'll be filled. So I started looking around for other jobs that would pay a little higher for less hours. And I ended up making the move to start working part-time as a driving instructor. My plan was, because all the training was during the evening, I was going to give my two weeks notice and I was going to work days at the service company. And then at the nights, I would do my training and everything. Well, and you were still working Evermore too. And I so. was still working Evermore. But I turned in my two weeks notice and they said, okay, bye. 
<laughs> yeah, we were we were expecting like one or two last paychecks, and he came home and he was like, "Well, that was my last day," and we were like, "Great!" So gratefully, like that just meant that I was able to double up on my training just in time for the quarantine to hit. So now I am an official instructor, certified, licensed, everything. He's a driving instructor. <laughs> we don't need to talk about that. <laughs> Eliza doesn't like my driving skills. <laughs> They've gotten better. But the funny thing is that while he was taking his driver training, he was like backseat driving me. <laughs> Though, okay. We were in a rather hilly area and Eliza was parking downhill and there was a curb. And now at this point, I had already like been in the car a couple of times and she was kind of a distance from the curb. So I was like, Hun, you need to get closer to the curb. And you need to turn your wheels toward the curb. And she he's just like, kind of slams her like... hands. She slams her hands on the wheels and goes, Brad, if you start teaching me how to drive, you are riding home in the trunk. Okay. Need I make this clear? My driving record is squeaky clean. I have had I've I have had no tickets, no accidents. I consider myself a pretty good driver. I'm not perfect, but obviously, considering my driving record, I do a good job. And so I'm like <laughs> I saved her from a parking ticket that day. You <laughs> We're not even going to talk about the record that you have. And he's like, he's starting to like backseat drive me. I was like, if you, I have a completely clean driving record and you're telling me how to drive. I've I've learned I have to leave work at work. So, but, <laughs> but uh, it, it's kind of funny because I, I, Otherwise I like, you'll never see work again. <laughs> I know. Right. I like to tell people that I am a professional backseat driver because that's what I am. I literally sit in the passenger side and tell kids how to drive, and it's kind of fun. Yes, you sit in the passenger seat and tell kids how to drive. You don't sit in the passenger seat and tell your wife how to drive <laughs> because yeah. she will murder you. So, I, so I've got to leave work at work. Anyway, the point is with this whole thing, it's a lot less hours, but I would be making the same, if not more, giving me more time at home, more time in the studio, more time with my wife. Everything that we've been needing. Yep. In our specific situation, we quit our jobs. We tried things that were outside of the ordinary. We did all these things that seemed super dramatic. And to other people, it might seem like, well, why didn't you guys just do this and this and this? Because that was our situation. And for us, we're spiritual people. We go off of our communication with God and we make him a part of our decisions. We don't rely on him to tell us what to do. But when we feel really strongly about something and when we pray and we ask for help, we use that in our decision making. And that's been a huge part of where we are today. And, and making those big, huge, scary decisions is some of the assurance that we have gotten as we've made those decisions out of faith that, that the answers come, that it's going to be okay. We've seen that happen. But we also want to make something really clear to you guys that if your situation is that you need to have a job or you need to stay where you are or you need to focus on your career, whatever it is. Or that's something that you want. Yeah, we are not in any way trying to discourage you from doing that simply because we had a different experience. If you are in the same kind of situation that we were and have been where you're doing something and trying to chase for something and it doesn't feel right, even though it's the logical thing to do listen to that. Well, and sometimes the easy, logical thing to do can be the right choice and it can be the best choice for you. You know, the people that I was working with at that service company, most of the people that are there wanted to be there. I mean, they would complain about it constantly, but they wanted to be there. <laughs> there is nothing wrong with having a nine to five if that's what you want. 
it just isn't what fit our lifestyle. It isn't what fit our lifestyle and the goals that we have for yeah. our family. We have all this perspective, and I know it's been like a jumbled mess for you guys to try and understand because it's just so much to go through in the last few years. We'll have plenty of podcast episodes to explain every little bit. <laughs> we'll touch on what's most important because we want to make sure that it's relevant and everything. But the really interesting thing is that right now, we couldn't have foreseen this even just a month or two ago. We have a lot more time to be able to do things like record a podcast and get our other projects up and running. So we've been able to really take advantage of the quarantine rather than have to, to stress and worry. I am very grateful for that. And I know not everyone has this privilege, so this isn't boasting. I'm very aware that a lot of people have very difficult situations that they're dealing with with quarantine. My feelings go out to you who don't have jobs at this time, who don't have pay at this time, have families to provide for. We are really hoping that things go back to normal for you and yours. Honestly, like, especially during this time, like, we want to make sure that we are as encouraging as we possibly can. We're sharing this story with you not to tell you, you know, that we're in such a privileged situation because we can do all this stuff now when you can't. It's more like we are able to now, we, <laughs> we weren't able to do it in the past. We are able to look back on the situations that we were in where we were like, we can't make this work. This is a disaster. How are we going to get through this? And realize that what we were going through at that point was literally leading up to something else. If there's anything that I regret about the times that we were going through in the past is that we didn't really fully take advantage of what was happening at that point and, and what we really had. Because even when our studio was sitting in the corner, we still had opportunities to do other things. Rather than focusing on, in our situation, the money and how we were going to survive and how we were going to do this and how we were going to... I wish that we had taken that time when it was uncomfortable, when it was something we didn't expect, when we didn't know how it was going to turn out, and really made something of that. Because literally the decisions that you make right now are what are going to determine tomorrow. The actions we make today determine our tomorrow. Our hearts go out to anybody who is in a situation right now where you feel like everything's stopped and there's nothing you can do. Because truthfully, and, and I will be really honest with you guys, it's hard. It's really hard. Even though we are a little bit a little bit of a better situation now than we were literally a year ago when we couldn't buy food for five months, we're still in that situation of it's a little scary and we don't always know how it's going to work out. The difference is now I feel that we're trying to take the time that we have and not run ourselves to the ground and be as productive as possible, but try and really take that time and make something of it. And the thing is, while your situation may be hard, I hope, I really hope that, that what we're, the message we're trying to get across is that there is hope. Things are going to get better. We are in a difficult time right now as a society. You know, we really do believe that there are going to be more opportunities that come from this and that come from your challenges. And that's basically what we've learned through all of our current married years. We're coming up on four years in July, and it, it feels like so much longer. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us. We hope that you've gleaned something from all of our nonsense of the last four years. Well, if this makes a little bit more sense to you guys, especially as to like why we are where we are, and maybe why we do push back a little bit when people give us, you know, loving suggestions. <laughs> it's loving not suggestions. it's not because we don't valid it's not because we don't feel that anyone else's opinions are valid. It's it's simply because we are following what we feel is right for us and for our family and we understand that that's different. It looks different for everybody else. 
So if this resonates with you, that's wonderful. Please let us know. We'd love to be able to, to connect with you guys more in the future. We're here for you guys. We'll always have snacks. I'm sorry, you can't have them, but we'll describe them to you. And on that note, blackberries. Blackberries. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you liked what you heard, feel free to follow and share. We'll catch you next time on What's for Lunch.